Hello and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, from the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports. You're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WBFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State, coming to you live from Room 420 inside of Diffenbaugh. Save your jokes at the door. I'm your host, Nick Carlisle, bringing you the latest, greatest, and Florida Statist in everything sports, or at least as much as we can fit within the hour for people all around the world. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at talk underscore Tomahawk. Emery's on the Twitter handle tonight, and you can call into the show at 850-644-1837. Once again, that's 850-644-1837. Welcome to Tomahawk Talk, everyone. And just like the Phoenix Suns, we have absolutely no idea what we're doing at this <laughs> very point in time. Uh, well, it's that time at the station, ladies and gentlemen, where there is no FSU anything going on, like at all. It's, it's a very weird feeling. And we are stuck here, and I say the word stuck very loosely because, I'm, of course, you know, we'd be pretty happy to be talking about sports for all day, every day, 24-7, right, Brett? Yeah. Uh, and we're, we're just talking about the rest of the world uh, today, and, you know, that's not too bad considering that there is a lot to talk about when it comes to the rest of the world. We might as well just get right into it. We have a little switch up of things. Brett Rutherford is stepping in as co-host tonight, and Luke Fay is moving himself over to the panel seat because... Luke has some uh, some some vocal problems. We got we got a little bit of tonsillitis going here. Some some low energy. So I wanted some fire brought in by a co-host. I thought Brett would be you know the the great little equalizer for you, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Mr. Brett Rutherford. What is a captain without his crew? I am joined by you, my good friend, and tonight the co-host. You uh you punched somebody in the face in celebration. Listen, yesterday, when celebrating a goal in soccer, especially one scored in a World Cup final. Anything goes. You kind of just go with it. It's an out-of-body experience. Um, so uh, poor, poor Brooks, who, who is a rookie here at the station, only a couple weeks in, uh, had to uh, had to take a shot to the eye. But we all got to celebrate the goal. Uh, so definitely exciting. And I will say the, the seat over here in, in the co-host's chair is a little bit comfier. And I got to enjoy it a little bit. Well, let's just say that the higher-ups on the Tomahawk Talk team they definitely do get advanced benefits, and one of those <laughs> is chairs that do not make your bum sore when you get, finally get out of sitting in one for an hour. And uh, joining us tonight is Tyler Phillips. We have seen a lot of each other this week, haven't we? We it's sure been, have. It's, it's been interesting. Lots of sports. Yes, lots, lots of sports. Of sports uh, Fourth of July celebrations, uh, and then you know a little excessive celebrations, as we heard uh, with from Brett. Um, I was there. Don't fight Brett. For sure. Yeah. Um, Listen, yeah, it's good to I just want to say I've never been in a fight. That was, but that was the biggest punch I've ever laid. And now I know, and everyone else knows, more importantly, that I've got a nasty right hook. And uh, a UFC career in the making as Luke struggles to bring the noisiest chair into the studio, so he can. Uh, I don't can... know who's taking these chairs and maneuvering bad ones in, but it's like every week we take out a bad chair and put in a new one, and it just spawns terrible chairs. Yeah, it's somebody's just trying to sabotage the uh, the sports department, I imagine. Um, well, <laughs> Luke Fay, Brett Rutherford, Tyler Phillips. Once again, I'm your host, Nick Carlisle, and we are starting off the top. Which, if you didn't already know, it's a segment where I take a look, take a look rather at the top stories in sports, rip the best ones, and ask our panel about them, forcing them to come up with the answers off the top of their head at the top of the show. And tonight, Damian Lillard had some choice words about super teams in the NBA over the past week. Certainly, a prevalent topic in the NBA right now. Lillard saying, and this isn't verbatim, mind you, but that he has nothing wrong with super teams, but he would rather stick to one team. He is a one-team guy. There always seems to be one around when all, everybody else seems to be teaming up with one another. Guys, 
with all the free agency moves, now the, you know there isn't one or two super teams, but there's more like five. So are they really super teams? And is the era of the super team in the NBA ending, or is it going to be going on for a while? Brett? I think there was a lot of roster turnover in the NBA this offseason. Not, that's not something I'm usually a huge fan of, but I think for the health of the league moving forward, the amount of balance we've seen, and obviously it caps it all off with, with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George headed to L.A. to play for the Clippers, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot better for the NBA. There's gonna be a lot more competition. You could argue that there's eight to maybe even ten teams that could potentially co- be competing for an NBA title next year. And as a as a guy that hasn't always been the biggest NBA fan, this is the season. This upcoming season, I'm more excited for than I have been in a long time. Do you think that it has anything to do with the quality of the players coming in in the past couple of draft classes, or do you think it's just a turnover of veteran players from the past ten years or so? I just think we it they've really kind of flipped the script on how we view athletes and how we view professional sports you know more player power I think the NBA is really focused on that they've prioritized that and which makes for better better storylines you know we're trying to figure out where these guys are going how you know every move affects not only this upcoming season but seasons you know five ten years out and I I really think that's the NBA you know they they do it better than, than any other professional sports league Tyler super team era ending or continuing I mean I don't see it I didn't I didn't see it uh, starting. I mean, it's always been there. It's It's been there since, you know, uh, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen. Uh, and it, it's more so, you know, teams that have duos this year. Um, it's not, you know, your three all-star trio. Um, you see them spreading out, and I, I see it continuing. Um, but I didn't really see where it started either. It's been, it's been in the league for a while. Luke? There's a difference between a super team and then a team that was built throughout the draft. So you look at the Oklahoma City Thunder when they had James Harden, uh, Westbrook, and Durant. Uh, That wasn't really a super team. That was a team that drafted well. Damian Lillard, he's got C.J. McCollum. They had Aldridge. That, at that point, was not a super team. They drafted well. Some of these teams are setting themselves up very well in the future, but I think what he has a problem with are teams that weren't that, that you weren't drafted by and you're kind of just flip-flopping to the best opportunity, which is what Anthony Davis did. And uh, really, Jimmy Butler at the time when he was with the Bulls, it was it, it was good with Derrick Rose. But once Derrick Rose went down with another knee injury, he's it, it's he's just been following the next team up. So what, what Damian Lillard is saying is that there's nothing wrong with building a team um, from the ground up. What he doesn't like is going from the best really the best option for you which is trying to find the best team where you can team up with two or three guys uh and 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 really try to run the league well yeah and i think that goes back to i think he's more having a problem with loyalty uh or or in this case uh unloyalty you know going from one team to another chasing championships uh you know you know wanting these pieces, you know, demanding they be traded. I think that's, uh, you know, he's he's talking from a, a standpoint. He's been loyal to the Portland Trailblazers since he's been there, and he's confident in their management that they will get the players needed to win a championship. So I think it really boils down to, you know, unloyalty or disloyalty. I don't know the word for that one. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think he's really 
it's not about super teams. I think it's about loyalty. And I do respect that out of at a guy like Damian Lillard. You know, the one NBA game I've been to in my life was an Orlando Magic Portland Trailblazers game, and getting to watch him, even getting the respect of the away of the Orlando Magic fans, the opposing fans of just he's been the face of that franchise for a long time, and he probably will be for his entire career. And I and I respect that, um, but I also can't take anything away from the guys that are that are moving teams to to try to chase rings and, and chase that money. Yeah, it really just seems like there's always one player like that. You know, the the Dirk Nowitzki's, the Kobe Bryant's of the world. I'm not saying that Damian Lillard is going to spend his entire career in Portland because have you been to Portland? It's it's a it's a weird city. Yeah, it's it's um it's different. It's different. A, it's a culture. It's, di- no, it's, it's, a it's, culture. it's different. Yeah. We'll just we'll just leave it at that. Uh, no <laughs> shots fired towards Portland. Um, but let's just say when I visit family there, it's a very it's it's an enlightening experience every single time. But Nick, what what young team that that you see? could build themselves not into a super team but where they where they uh get free agents but what young team is built the best for the future uh with the young players denver i think denver is a really nice place to play at this point i think it's going to take a little bit of convincing maybe a trade i I feel like somebody's going to have to go there probably against their will in order for somebody else to join the bandwagon and join denver (laughs) kind of just like kind of like Kawhi. but of course there was no quote-unquote super team in in toronto i mean there were a lot of really nice pieces but there was no super team but uh jamal murray just got signed for a a five-year triple you know million contract i think 180 maybe i mean it, it's it was in the 100s maybe i think 180 sounds right to me but i really like jamal murray as a player i like Jokic as a player paul Millsap is a really nice veteran for that team he got re-signed as well they have a nice young core malik beasley um just a lot of really great players and i think that if they go deep in the playoffs once again this year maybe get a nice piece around the trade deadline it might entice some players too you know, find their way to Denver. Well, they're very similar, you know, when I look at this roster, to the Toronto Raptors before they got Kawhi Leonard. We knew they were good. They were perennial playoff contenders, but they're one piece away. And as we've seen in the NBA, that piece usually needs to be a big-time superstar. So, you know, maybe acquiring someone near the trade deadline or maybe next offseason, you know, we could be seeing Denver uh, competing for a title. And that was the Off the Top segment brought to you by me, sponsored by me, delivered by our panel. And we're already just kind of on the topic, so we're just going to go dive straight into it. You've heard his name already. Uh, Kawhi Leonard shook the national basketball world over the weekend, declaring that he would join the L.A. Clippers, not the team that I thought he was going to. I'm, I think me and Brett were the only people that said he were he was going to stay in Toronto. Yeah, I think Jay um, had him in the, with the Lakers. So, and... and then Luke, I think, Luke, did you? Yeah, did, did... yeah I've, I've had that one right for a while. Okay. All right. But I'm going to stay humble because I've had more wrong than right. It's like gambling. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Kawhi joining the Clippers. Vegas got it right. Now Vegas has Clippers as the uh, the flat-out winners, uh, to, or the, I guess in the odds, to win the NBA championship next year. Brett, obviously Kawhi didn't join the Clippers alone. PG was sent over from Oklahoma City for a record number setting of draft picks in return. So the Farmville is on in Oklahoma City. Where where does this leave the Clippers in your eyes, and where does this leave Oklahoma City in your eyes as well? With the Clippers, we've seen Paul George coming off the best season of his career. He finished third in the MVP voting. Kawhi Leonard did what nobody thought was possible, go to Toronto and bring that team a championship, win his second career uh, finals MVP. I think... I agree with with the odds makers here. They they are the best team in the NBA. They are the team to beat. Personally, my favorite draft class with Fiondu, Kevin Gelly, and Terrence Mann, both getting their career started in the Summer League for the Clippers, I really like the position they're in. As far as the Oklahoma City Thunder, though, 
This is a team that has always had star power literally since their franchise existed, since they relocated from Seattle. They've always had Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and, and James Harden for a time, too. Since James Harden was drafted in 2009, they have not drafted well. This is going to be their GM's opportunity to rebuild a franchise from the ground up for a second time. Obviously, you know when they were able to get uh, Durant, Westbrook, and Harden in, in consecutive years, that set them up for some championship runs. Unfortunately, they came up short. But, but now, I mean, they're really, their team, this roster isn't talented. If they end up moving on from Russell Westbrook, this is going to be a complete rebuild. And, and, and the way things are going with the player power that Russell Westbrook's going to have, I don't think he's going to start the year in Oklahoma City next season. Tyler, how what was your opinion on how Kawhi Leonard handled the free agency? Because he, I, I imagine him just sitting on his couch at home watching SportsCenter, just watching the Stephen A. Smiths of the world, the Rachel Nichols, the Jalen Roses, giving their quote-unquote solid information. I think Rose said he's 99% sure that Kawhi is going to re-sign to Toronto and look where we are today. Were you a fan of how Kawhi Leonard handled this free agency, or do you think that he could have handled it differently, or do you wish he could have handled it differently? I'm I'm a fan of it. I mean, he's a very low key guy. Uh, very, he gets emotional at times, but uh, you know, very quiet, very low key guy, and and that's how he handled it. And uh, as far as you know, him going to the Clippers, I I predicted he'd stay in Toronto. Um, because, you know, who leaves a team that just won a championship? Apparently you know? Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> Apparently Kawhi Leonard. But it wasn't a surprise that he went to the Clippers either because that's where he's from. Uh, he went to San Diego State. Um, and, you know, his I think he has some family out there. He also loves L.A. Um, and, you know, it's a chance to rival the Lakers and get back to the West, moreover. Luke, any thoughts on that? On Kawhi to the Clippers? Kawhi to the Clippers. Well, I had said it before that his sister, the only Twitter accounts that she followed – uh, were San Antonio, Toronto, and the L.A. Clippers. He wanted to be home. It, it wasn't a – the reason why he took so long was it was a matter of who he was going to get to come with him. And it took some time. Uh, that held up other people, other trade scenarios. And uh, really the the big losers in this are the Lakers in the sense that they missed out on some free agents by just trying to hold out for Kawhi, who is going to be their shooter. Um, Kawhi Leonard – they are they're the favorites they're the favorites to win next year and really i don't think that there's ever been a time where the lakers and the clippers have been this good together at the same time where both teams are marquee and it, really the clippers might be the team to watch in la if you're if you're if you're a celebrity which team do you want to have season tickets for that's a, that's a big question there brett do you want to answer that question I mean, like I've said personally, I'm going with the Clippers. Just getting the chance to watch Fiona Kevin Gelly at the NBA in the NBA <laughs> okay. would, be, would be. But again, That's, personally, the star power of Kevin Gelly is what drives you know their no, tickets. Yeah, uh, clearly. But but I'm going to as many games as I can in the Staples Center get, to get to get to watch those two teams rival each other throughout the entire season. You know, the Lakers with bringing Anthony Davis and they hopefully have a full season of, of LeBron James. It's going to be. It could like it could rejuvenate this rivalry. For, for the next you know four or five years to make it one of the biggest in all of sports uh, to, I as I, my thoughts just on this trade in general I I imagine that Kawhi had a huge hand in PG joining him in LA yeah but Oklahoma City traded the wrong person Russell Westbrook is the person that should have been traded I don't think that you if you're a logical GM you don't take a look at the pieces that you have and say yeah I'd rather take Russell Westbrook apart from what the stats are and granted when I take a look at the basketball world I don't necessarily look at stats first I look at results and yeah. Paul George has 
far and beyond in a way been the superstar for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Russell Westbrook has been the name. Paul George has been the player. I, I obviously Paul George was the person that Kawhi wanted in LA with him. You know, there was an interview that got re-released today of, you know, Paul George answering a question about this time last year, I think a month give or take away about how similar his and his and Kawhi's relationship or, or situation was and they said that it, that they had a pretty good relationship so you know obviously maybe that was a a, a warning one year in advance but uh I think they traded the wrong person I, mean, I who's think to, who's to say they didn't try to trade Russell Westbrook well, well they might try to trade think, Russell Westbrook I, well, Russell Westbrook is not going to be on the Thunder this time next week and you can take that to the bank take he's, it to the bank he, he is going he's going to be on a different NBA team by this time next week, and you're going to be doing an off-the-top segment on why the Miami Heat are, Ooh, are going to be the next not... next best team in the, the East. Well, Tyler, you were telling me before the show, you were even telling me yesterday how you wanted to talk about how Russell Westbrook is going to end up in a Magic jersey or the Pistons jersey. Or a Pistons jersey. Or a Pistons There's jersey. There's no way that he ends up in a Heat jersey for the mere fact that they don't have enough to give the – uh, but you're wrong, but it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm not you're wrong. wrong and here's I don't why. think they have enough assets that OKC will be interested in. You have assets in Orlando. You got first round picks. You got Evan Fournier. You got Aaron Gordon. You got Mo Bamba. You got young, talented pl- uh, players that you can build around. And, 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 and I just don't see anybody that's going to be that the Heat they're going to be interested in. Uh, uh, Bam Adebayo, you don't think that Justice Winslow is going to draw any? But then any... the Heat get rid of their their biggest. They get rid of everybody for one player, and then you're throwing uh, Russell's going to be assisting to a bunch of scrubs. Look, I don't want uh, Russell Westbrook in a Miami Heat jersey either, but it's for completely different reasons. Luke, you were you were shaking your head over in the corner. I want to I want you to t- you two to work it out and then make up at the end of this. So, you're saying that Evan Fournier is a type of talent you want to trade for? For Oklahoma City, for a rebuilding and, team, yes, and Mo Bamba and Aaron, and Gordon. Aaron Gordon, and well, we Ev- already know we already know what Evan Fournier is. We He's a cap know, space problem. We know what what uh, what what Aaron Gordon is. Mo Bamba is up in the air. I I don't see I don't see a problem with the Magic getting rid of those players. It's just not going to happen. The only number one, Russell Westbrook's not going to go to Orlando. There's I don't think he would ever want to be. It's it's a worse situation than being in OKC, honestly. What I, I don't know anyone who would want to be there just off of the way the team is structured. It's it's not it's not a team in which you could really say is going to ever make a run in the East in the next ten years. Miami right now has the pieces to actually be a somebody at, at this point. If you're Russell Westbrook, what's the team you want to go to? What's the team you want to go realistically? Realistically, because you can't say Los Angeles and and with. With LA, that's not realistic. Realistically, what is the fit for him? It's got to be Miami. So you're telling me a team that did not make the playoffs against a team that did make the by, playoffs by by how many yeah, games? I understand about, that by but, about two games. But but we still made the playoffs and we won a game. The Miami Heat and added we, Jimmy Butler. The Orlando Magic added Alfaruk Amino this offseason. Yeah, season. yes, and then we're dude. Was, last season was last season. Do you not watch? But, Florida, I understand Florida that State went it, from a, a ten win team to like a eight seven. I understand that, right but away. you're saying who has anything. the best chance in the next three or four years? I think the Orlando Magic do. This is their window. Woo, I disagree. They've been oh waiting for God. seven years. Mute them. Mute them. Emory, tweet it. Tweet it. Tweet it. Tweet it. Hot take. Okay, you can even well, put the no fire symbol to next to it if you want a, to. A point that has no sense in it. That's, there, that's, there's a there's a bias coming out of there. I mean, okay. Come on. Well, take that for what you will. 
Russell Westbrook to the Miami Heat is a bad reason or a bad uh, decision. Can I just say one more thing? Yeah, okay. The Miami Heat will literally give up everybody, and West, Russell Westbrook is coming off his worst shooting season. He is an Still assist. Still a triple-double. He is. He is. You're right, but he is an assist point guard, and he needs people to pass to. If Miami Heat, the Miami Heat give up everybody to get him, who will he pass to is my question to you. I agree with you that Russell Westbrook to the Heat is a bad idea, but I disagree on the reasoning why. Russell Westbrook to Miami is a bad idea because Jimmy Butler talked about having his own team. He has his own team right now. Russell Westbrook pulls up to American Airlines Arena in uh, Biscayne Bay in Miami, and there is going to be an instant clash onto who that team is. And Russell Westbrook does not seem like the type of dude that's going to say, okay, you, this is your team. I'm going to be the beta. Russell Westbrook does not have that type of personality in him. There's going to be a clash. I don't care about the superstar power that those two are combined are going to create. It's not going to work. And that's the same reason why Russell Westbrook anywhere besides Oklahoma City is not going to work. Until Russell Westbrook becomes a team player instead of a stat hoarder, he's going to be nothing more than just an empty piece that can create triple doubles and I mean I don't understand the aura around him anyway uh, the, I, I said at the beginning of the show I'm a person that looks at results I'm not a person that looks at stats and as long as Russell Westbrook is going to flame out in the first round because he carries the team and it's not even like he has to carry the same times that's a self-imposed duty that I think he inflicts on himself until he you know refuses to carry his team becomes a team player he's not going to get out of the first round and because of that I don't want him on my team I don't Nick, want him anywhere near it Nick th those are all extremely valid points and great points but you can't tell me that it wouldn't be a little bit sexy to see Russell Westbrook on the Miami Heat. That yeah. that would okay. okay. If you would you are you more likely to tune in with him on the team than off the team? Just just because it might be a circus, you might want to see a little bit what happens. People like that. You just said he wants his own team. He would have his own team in Orlando. Literally, there is no superstar. Vucevic is an all star, but he is not a superstar. He would have his own team. That's well, literally. Yeah, yeah, you put all those players together, they might weigh 500 pounds, the starting lineup. <laughs> okay, Brett. There, there is one team that has seemingly missed out on everybody that has one last shot I know to do things saying. right. Don't say it. Oh, In the Mecca, the New no. York Knicks. Oh, they have no. one last shot. Oh. I'm not saying he's going to go there. I, I do think he is going to end up in Miami. But I'm, think, I'm thinking if the Knicks want to give their fans some hope, some much-needed yep. hope, they've got their chance. And they've, got, and they've still got assets to make this trade happen. It's just a matter of they would have to essentially they, they would have to essentially throw away the draft that they just had minus R J Barrett. They're, they would have to throw away their draft. They, from they, the well, I mean, R J Barrett right now is not having the greatest summer week. I know that doesn't really mean much, but are, is is he really worth forty million dollars a year for the Knicks at the current age to ratio of when they'll actually be good or supposed to be good within? I would say you'd hope they'd be good within four years, but then you're looking at fourth year Westbrook he, I mean he's so fast but those injury like he hasn't had too many injuries you know as you get older those things start to pile up especially with the speed those, and his, athleticism this, that he plays with style of play he plays yep. is not um indicative of a long like a, a long career Derek Rose Derek Rose was Russell Westbrook before only Derek Rose had a better shot I mean if you're looking to appease the fans which I don't know if that's in James Dolan's interest or not um this is a move that you really have to make. Um, and I don't know if it would be a good fit. Obviously, he'd get his own team, that he'd be the star of in, in, a, in the biggest market in the country. Uh, but it's just a matter of if – I think the Knicks can do it. They're in, they have the assets. They, have, they are capable. It's just a matter of if they actually want to. I, I really don't know if that's a possibility for the Knicks. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, but 
Uh, realistically, how I see this going down is Russell Westbrook. I mean, I don't know if he necessarily wants a trade now. Right now, obviously, OKC is shopping him around. I disagree, Luke. I don't think he's going to move by next week. I think he's going to be stuck in a very similar Anthony Davis situation where he's going to be stuck on a team that he doesn't want to be on. He's going to force his way out, and whoever trades for him, either at the deadline or by this time next summer, I don't know. I don't really know how many years he has left on his contract. Four. He's got four. He's making $47 million the last year of that contract. Well, whatever whatever team wants to try and pick him up, maybe hey, maybe the Lakers are stupid enough to actually do it. But uh, I, I stand by what I said. Hit Russell Westbrook in a Miami Heat jersey. Luke, you ask me how sexy it is. It'd be sexy for the opening intros on the opening night, and that's about it. Uh, yeah, sure, it might sell tickets, but it's not going to win Miami anything. And I think Pat Riley is really just interested in winning something once again. We are about at that halfway point in Tomahawk Talk right now. We're going to take about a two-minute break, so stick with us, Tim. We'll see you on the other side. You're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. Welcome back to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. On the other side of the break, we were talking about Russell Westbrook, where he may or may not end up, and if it's a good idea at all. And uh, during that intermission, we had a little bit of switch in personnel here on the uh, the set. The studio, rather, of Tomahawk Talk, Brandon Spencer, has come in for the the uh, the sick and nursing uh, Luke Fay. Uh, and, you, you know, you came in at the end of things. Obviously, you're a big basketball guy. Uh, unfortunately, we're, we're, we were about to start to move away from basketball, but I'm going to let you get your say. Uh, what is your opinion on Kawhi to the Clippers, and where do you think Russell Westbrook is going to end up? Because you told me that he does want out. Yeah, so um, first things first, uh, I was completely shocked with the whole Kawhi thing. I happened to fall asleep early that night, woke up randomly like 1245, then like 15 minutes later, 
<laughs> Woj drops a bomb. I'm just like, wait, a Woj bomb. hold on. There's no way that he's going there by himself. Two minutes later, boom, Paul George, and I lost my mind. That, that was one of the biggest heists, literally heists, that I've ever seen in my life. Kawhi has just... If he hadn't submitted himself as a bona fide superstar when he won the finals and won the MVP against the Warriors this season, he did it with this uh, with this offseason move. That was incredible. Uh, the Clippers are the, still the second best team in LA. The second best team, in my, in really? my opinion, because yes, everybody because. else because everybody else here thought that the the Clippers were except for except for Tyler, excuse me, <laughs> thought the uh, the the Clippers were now the best team in LA. I think I think they were. Like right, right then and there, I was like, oh, yeah, definitely the Clippers. But as of now, as of the last couple of pickups that the Lakers got, including Avery Bradley today, I think that put them a little bit over the top because, again, that's another good defender and who can also get a bucket himself. Now, with Russell Westbrook, I was one of the first to say that I felt so bad for him. That was like My first thought was, wow, I can't believe this. My second thought was, dang, Russell Westbrook is going to get the wrong end of a stick again, especially with Kevin Durant just coming out. of uh, The news of Kevin Durant uh, leaving – uh, telling him he was going to stay in OKC and then uh, the next day saying he's going to leave without giving him a phone call. And then the same similar thing happens with Paul George, and it all comes back on him. People are going to point the blame at him, which I think is undeserving, but he's going to get out, I believe. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen now, this summer. I think it's going to happen probably mid-season or so, right before deadline. the trade deadline. Yep. Um, but he's definitely wants out because who wants to be about around a – no rebuilding team right now in this point of your career. Um, I think the Heat are the best fit, in my opinion, uh, just looking at the rosters. Uh, the Magic are also a great fit, but I think just because of uh, Jimmy Butler and th- them having similar mindsets, that killer dog, they're going to understand each other, and they're going to want, they're going to thrive off each other to, you know, to win ball games. Really, because I think, I think there's going to be a culture clash there. I really think that those two men are both alphas when it comes to being a leader on the team. And two alphas don't always work together like that. Obviously, there are some rare uh, occasions in which it does. But I, I said before you got here, I think Russell Westbrook running into Jimmy Butler in Eric American Airlines Arena is going to be a problem for chemistry. It's going to be a problem for how that team runs. And uh, I don't see it working very well. But uh, continue on. Um, but I also thought about that. But Pat, Pat Riley doesn't play. As we all know, Pat Riley does not play any games, and with him as an exec, him pretty much running the organization, he's not going to allow any of that to happen. He has he runs a strict system. He's going to have Russell Westbrook and Jimmy Butler. They're going to follow that system to a T, or else they're not going to play, and they're not going to be on the team. It's that simple. That's just how he runs things, and I think if they want to win, they're going to follow that, and that's just my opinion. All right, well, you heard it there. I guess uh, not first, not second, maybe third <laughs> from Brandon Spencer. Uh, before we move on, do you want to talk uh, or uh, premiere a new segment on the show called Over Under? We haven't had a new segment in a long time. Now, this may or may not be inspired by some of our uh, studio's uh, gambling habits, uh, Luke Fay. Um, but the Over Under, just kind of a spin off of the that little betting thing. We're just going to uh, give you the first example here. You're going to pick up, pick up on it rather really quickly. Um, Bryce Harper, Brett Rutherford, is he overrated or is he underperforming? Bryce Harper, uh, underperforming if you look at his contract. Obviously, he's getting paid a crazy amount of money, and really there's only one player in baseball that's worth that kind of money, and that's Mike Trout, um, who's making more than that. Um, but Bryce Harper's numbers this season, you know, it's not typical Bryce Harper. I know last year wasn't really typical Bryce Harper either. Only a two fifty three batting average, but if you look at his run production, still pretty solid for a Phillies team. That is probably still competing for a National League East title. I, I still think they're a surefire playoff team 
in the National League. He's got an 839 OPS. He's still driven in 62 runs for the Phillies this season. Yeah, it's maybe not what the Phillies were expecting out of Bryce Harper right away, but I still think he's, he's doing an all right job. All right, Tyler Phillips, Bryce Hunter, or Bryce Hunter, Bryce Harper, overrated, underperforming. Um, I think he's underperforming. I'm going to go with underperforming because he's just for paying him that much. You you want to you want an all star caliber. You want him batting at least you know 300. You want his OBS or OPS higher than it is. You need it over a thousand. And he's had seasons like that. And but you look at Bryce Harper's career stats. He's very streaky when it comes to those both those stats. Um, but like Brett said, his run production's still up, which is a good. Um, he's still hitting home runs, which is good. Um, I, I don't know. I just think under, un, yeah. All right, Brandon Spencer, overrated, um, I, under. I, or, I think uh, it just comes down to what, at one point, can you call somebody underrated? I mean, uh, overrated. Excuse me, because he had the, he's in the first year of this contract, so I can't. I'm not gonna call him overrated right now. But if he does this similar, has these this similar similar statistics next year. That's three seasons in a row where he's had subpar, subpar seasons. At that point, I think you say he's overrated. But right now, I think he's just you know, not playing very well or not playing to his potential. All right, bringing it back around. Brett, the uh, the MLB implementing more safety netting. Is this overdue or are they doing it because they're under pressure? Way overdue. Anything to improve uh, fan safety is, is, is good in my books. Um, no matter how much you're paying to the game, pay attention to the game, no matter how good at baseball you think you are, when there's baseballs flying at you at 110 miles an hour, the only thing that can keep you safe is a net wrapped around. I'm good with it all the way down to the foul poles, actually. Really? All right. Well, that, well also, sorry, uh, that might also help out the, the umpires in disparaging you know how yeah, uh, how a how a fly yeah. ball uh, is. You don't have to worry run. about fan interference on foul balls anymore. It, nope. it could help the game in more ways than one. You just stick your hand through the net. But, but I think I think the the, the, the thing we got to worry about most here is, is fan safety, and I think the only way to do that is with the uh, nets. Um, I disagree, and I don't think it's under pressure or o- overdue. I think it's just a bad move uh, if they're going to do it um, because that's the part of the game that's that's why you go to baseball that's I, I understand so wait, wait 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 so you go to baseball to get, to get plunked to, you get foul balls you not watch, to the face well, obviously but if they want to extend you know, it a little bit that's balls fine, can go but, over the net still there there's nets yeah. there's been nets behind home but, plate forever and balls still get you know get over the net there are ways to get souvenirs um, but if it comes to like Either getting a souvenir baseball, which you can buy in the gift shop for ten bucks, or leaving out of there in an ambulance. Uh, you know, I'll, t- I'll take the. You know, like I, it's not a great trade off. You know. Yeah, I have to say it's overdue. It's definitely because, like, even the 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 biggest baseball fan is going to look down at their phone every once in a while, and that 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 moment cracked, they can get hit with the ball. So I think it's definitely overdue, and it's for the best safety of the fans. Brett Manny Machado is saying the Padres are going to win a World Series pennant before the Dodgers. Overconfident or underselling? You look at this Padres team, and, and and not only are they set to compete right now, they're set to compete for the future. They have the they had the most prospects in the MLB's top 100 list coming into this season. And look at some of the guys that they've had come up now: Francisco Mejia, Fernando Tatis Jr., obviously Manny Machado, Chris Paddock. They've got a really talented team. Um, but I'm looking all across baseball, and there's not a better team than the Los Angeles Dodgers. I think they're going to win the pennant again this year, and probably go on to win the World Series. So overconfident from Brett Tyler, overconfident or underselling. What was the what was uh, Manny Machado saying that the Padres are going to win a, a World Series pennant before the Dodgers? Uh, well, I would say a little overconfident. Honestly, the Dodgers, like Brett said, are 
one of the best teams in baseball, and they don't look like they're going to get any worse anytime soon. So I'd say overconfident. All right, Brandon, are we making it a trifecta of overconfident here? For sure. I mean, the Dodgers have been in the World Series, what, two years in a row? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, first get there, and then you could say that. But, I mean, the the Dodgers are the hottest team. Well, techni- technically Machado did get there, but, well. but we're looking at technicalities there. Yeah. Uh, all right, just a couple more here. Brett Avery Bradley heading to the Lakers, two years, nine point seven million dollars. Especially now, just because they paid Danny Green thirty million over two years the other day, is this overpaying or underpaying? Just because I got to pick one or the other, I'm gonna go with with underpaying. I think this is a pretty good value pickup for the Lakers. Obviously, their whole plan for the offseason was kind of thrown into the whack uh, with Kawhi Leonard's decision to join the Clippers. Um, so, with what they their team needed and the value they were able to get him at, I'm gonna say underpaying. Tyler. I'm gonna go, like that was a good, good value. Like yeah, yeah, not, just, it just, wasn't overpaying, it wasn't underpaying. I felt like for the production that Avery Bradley gives you, for the defensive player that he is, I don't think I think it was you know right about it. Uh, deserved, I should say. Brandon, overpaying or underpaying? In my opinion, it's underpaying because I I personally like uh, Avery Bradley at a guard at the guard position over Danny Green. My personal opinion, just in terms of production, and yeah, Danny Green has him height, but in terms of production and shooting, as a Avery Bradley has become an improved shooter, it's I like think a, it's a great I think pickup. 36 percent from three point yes, shooting yep. or something like Sounds that. Sounds about right. And I think it's a it's a great pickup, especially a nice veteran guard to complement Rondo, LeBron, and all those guys. I think it's great. And this last last one should create a nice segue into the topic for the remaining of the show. The political aura around the USA women's national team, are people overreacting to all of this or are they understressing it? If, if people are getting upset at the actions uh, made by some of the players on this US women's, U.S. women's national team, they're overreacting. But I think if people are going to be talking about U.S. women's soccer and about the women's game in general, I think people are understressing it. For this game to succeed in this country and around the world, there needs to be more conversation. There needs to be more discussion through social networks, you know, on through the national media and newspapers, on TV shows. So I think if, if what this U.S. team is doing can get the game more spotlight, I think people are understressing it. Tyler? I'd say over. They're making a big deal out of nothing. Uh, first of all, it, women should be paid the same amount as men. Uh, they, and especially because the women are better than the men, um, and it, it, I just I don't I don't understand the beef with it. It's they have a voice and they have a right. It's a free country and you have free speech. Brandon, I'm gonna go with both, but for two opposite reasons. One, uh, I think they're overreacting because the, the fact that with the celebrations and how they're carrying yourself, if you have a problem with that, I think that's what wrong, what's wrong with the country to be honest. So that's that, and I think it's understressed because this team is great. Three years in a row, they won the world. Three World Cups in a row, they've won, and they still don't get the respect that they deserve. I think people need to be talking about them more, and they need to get paid the same amount as men. All right. Well, that was the the new segment debuting tonight. Over under. What did you guys think? How did you? I think? liked it. It was I like rapid it. fire. Yeah, yeah. I liked it. We were able yeah. to just throw out all our takes. I loved it. All yeah, right. I liked it. All right. Well, I had to struggle to find out with this question, so you better have liked it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> but moving on, yeah, uh, the Women's World Cup final happened on Sunday. I mean, we were all over its Brett's place for God knows an unseemly amount of hours. A lot of soccer. Lots of soccer. Yesterday. I got a late invite, but, you know, it's cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> next time. Next, the next Women's World Cup in four years, Brandon. Yeah. Uh, we'll be the first one invited. Well, we'll, we'll invite you in five years. Um, <laughs> five years. Yeah. Uh, women, obviously, the women defeating Netherlands 2-0, to zero, uh, a PK kickoff of Megan Rapinoe's boot in the 61st minute, and then uh, Rose LaSalle, or I think that's the last name. Ravel. Ravel. Um, in the 69th minute. Brett, what was your reaction to the women were, were winning the cup for the second year in a row? Well, my instant reaction was punching somebody in the face. Yeah. Um, 
But no, just uh, it, it was so impressive because this year, you know, they, you know, swept their way through the group stages, like just stomping over every single team. And they, and they ran into a little bit of adversity in the knockout stages, uh, especially against Spain and against France, probably the second best team in this tournament. But they handled it with such grace, with with such tenacity, you know, from the fundamentals of the game to the, you know, the extraordinary that we got to see, especially out of Rose Lavelle yesterday. Her second goal was absolutely incredible. This team is undoubtedly the best in the world. No one was even close, not even France, in my opinion, after watching that game. Uh, and, it, and it was really just kind of breathtaking to watch unfold. It was great. I enjoyed every moment, every soccer game. Uh, the women, it was really a question of can they repeat and can they get by France? And I think they played their best game mm-hmm. yesterday versus the Netherlands. If not, uh, you know, versus France, that was probably, I don't know, they're pretty tied. But, you know, winning the championship suite, um, man, it was great to watch. Brandon? Uh, I had a blast watching it. I ended up waking up late for this game and catching the second half. Just like and, you got to the other party late. <laughs> um, listen, I got there right on time. The game had just started. <laughs> but anyways, um, the whole time, the, the even after the, uh, we scored the PK, they were just foot on neck, just attacking, attacking. And even after the second goal, they had three or four more shots on goal that could have uh, ex- you know, put the lead up even higher. It was very impressive to watch, and they the dominance they showed throughout the tournament just shows that they're by far the best team in the world, and it is very deserving of this. Did I hear somewhere that Netherlands didn't give up a goal the entire time, or they hadn't given up a goal in no, a few I mean, matches? They were incredible. Yeah, their their yeah, defense had really yeah, stepped up, yeah. especially their goalkeeper. Yeah, goalkeeper. So had for a great th- match yesterday, but uh, the U.S. were still able to get two goals past her. So to dominate them like that, it was just very impressive to watch. Very, very impressive indeed. But it, it, I think it is a shame that there was all this, I guess, political chatter around this women's team and what what it means for not only women's work everywhere no matter what it is that you do but it's specifically in the United States and uh, around the world I thought you know it was just very unfortunate especially because I think there's a very bad double standard when it comes to the United States in international sports uh, it's like well almost the, the USA can't really be good in international sports so when they are performing well it's it's really you know damned me to them and it really just reminds me of remember how uh, overconfident or really I guess the attitude of the Brazil team before they got wall by Germany 7 to 1 in that World Cup a couple of years ago it kind of reminds me of that and of course the men's the men's team for the United States you know they've been kind of uh, joked they've, they've been in joke for oh, yeah. a, f- a few years now for most of their existence but you know since it, 1930 <laughs> since 1930 it, it's an interesting double standard and I don't understand why that I don't understand why they got the the bad press that they got no matter you know what comments and they said and they how they chose to uh, use the spotlight when they got it. Well, they, they definitely talked the talk, but the differences between them and some of the other teams we've seen around the world, they walked the walk. I mean, they really showed up in this tournament. And there's a few times throughout all of our lives where you watch a sporting event and you think this means more than just a game. This is more than just a game, a soccer game. And throughout this entire World Cup, it really felt like that for this U.S. women's team. They were playing for something bigger than themselves. And to see them come through on the biggest stage of them all, They've got presidents coming after them. They've got, you know, media pundits, you know, just bashing them every chance they can get for celebrations because they, that was really the only thing you could criticize for them for. For sipping tea. Yeah, because, I mean, their play, you couldn't criticize how they played. Um, just with every obstacle that met this team to watch them just kind of jump over every hurdle, it, it really felt like we were watching something special. 
Yeah, definitely agreed. And but unfortunately, uh, the men's team didn't quite have the same success in the Gold Cup as the women's did in the World Cup final. Of course, the men falling to Mexico one to zero in a very very tough game to watch. And I use the word tough in a multiple, uh, in a lot of different ways because while we were all were watching it, it looked more like a WWE wrestling match than it did a <laughs> soccer game at sometimes. I mean, I'm not quite sure I've ever seen a referee that has seen uh, somebody double knee the back of Josie Altador and then watch somebody actually choke McKinney directly in front of him, not even get anywhere close to calling a yellow card the entire game. Say, did he give out one yellow card? Yesterday? He did no, not right? give out no. one yellow card. And normally I'm the I'm not the type of person that wants to go straight to the refereeing when my quote-unquote bias team loses. I mean, of course, I am an American. You know, uh, Brett, you know, what, what, what were your thoughts on I, it? Mexico, I think, deserved to win that game. They did. I, I think the U.S. had a, plenty of chances. Josie Altador, I thought he played well, but just couldn't come through when he had the ball in front of the net. I thought the, some of the substitutions made in the second half by the U.S. were questionable. But we could really see, we all saw it. You know, as soon as the the, Alt, the Altidore situation happened, where he had both knees driven into his back while he's already on the ground, McKenna gets choked out right in front of the referee. From that point on, Mexico knew that they could do whatever they wanted on that pitch, and they weren't going to get uh, penalized for it. And so you look at this tournament in, in the CONCACAF Gold Cup, which didn't have VAR, which has been in pretty much every other major tournament, didn't have goal line decision. So there was there was no way to review any of these situations because in, in, when VAR is used, you can review potential red card situations, and that really could have changed the outcome of the game because the wind was really taken out of the U.S. sails after that that altercation. Now, you mentioned VAR, and we'll go back to the, the Gold Cup momentarily, but of course there was that situation in the Argentina-Brazil semifinal before uh, Brazil went on to beat Peru 3-1 in the, uh, the Copa America. Uh, Tyler, you know, obviously Lionel Messi had a couple of choice words about the VAR. Do you think that the VAR, although it you know helps to have that type of replay for the game, it could encourage some outcomes that or, or I guess some rather words that maybe not be intended, like uh, it's more stress cheating, that more possibility. Do you think that that's a potential issue with the VAR system? Are we talking about if it's needed? Or? Well, no, I'm just talking about if it, if it could be a problem. Well, uh, continue on. Sorry. Yeah, a, uh, ran random phone. I don't think it can. I mean, I think that you, when, you're, when you're in front of the box and you're looking at it, the referee has the final call and they're looking at the screen and – if the foul is in front of them, if it's the call to make, they're going to make the call. I, I trust the referees to make the right call. But the fact that some of the leagues don't even have this this major, major uh, you know, this replay system, any major sport that doesn't have a replay system is is bound to have controversy. And so, you know, it's I, I don't think it's a problem, no. Brandon? I think it's very controversial just for the fact that for so long the game of soccer, football has been played without – these rules without VAR, um, and now with the game being slowed down even more, getting being slowed down now for, for the replay for teams for them to be able to go back and look at these plays, it it takes away from the game. It takes some momentum away from whoever has it. In my opinion, it kind of goes back to the NBA thinking about putting a fourth ref on the court. You just it's just not needed. I mean, I just think that it's you know, going to be more of a problem than it is a solution. But. It, I would say it, it, in crucial moments and penalty kick moments and red card moments, those are needed. I agree. Those are those are if you if you're doing it for every slide tackle, no. I think that is that is controversial. That's 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 slowing down the game. It's it's taking away momentum. But I don't think I don't think it's a problem. Oh, it definitely think. has its benefits. I'm not taking anything away from it. Like as is as shown that, that like it's given people it's given and taken away goals from from teams as it's been used. But I think people are going to have a problem with it because it 
differs from the norm, and people don't like change. Now, Brett Rutherford has magically transformed into a wild Michael Hudak. Uh, <laughs> somewhere, some along the uh, sometime along the way, sliding into the co-host chair. I'm just going to slap you with a question right away. The, obviously, the men's national team was picking up a little bit of steam heading into this Gold Cup, and now that they have this this loss to Mexico, how much of a setback is that going to be for soccer in terms of you know national sports for the United States? Well, I don't know anything about that, but let me say this. Okay. <laughs> Good to be back. I mean, I didn't crash any of the other parties that you guys have apparently thrown over the course of the last three to four months, so I don't really want to crash on this one either. But but I think that it's phenomenal. I don't think it sets back soccer. You're talking about soccer as like a broader umbrella, right? Yeah. For, well, for I guess a broader umbrella in the terms of the, the entire United States, but also right. for the for the national team itself. The sport in the United States. I. I could not see this being this at least this year, this summer, these last couple of weeks as such a great turnaround for what this sport is in this country because I think it's a good and healthy thing to have the women be so dominant and so great for a an extended period of time and have the men's team not be as dominant or not be right up to par with the women. It's humble. I think that that is such a healthy um, turn of events, for lack of a better term, for our country, for our nation, for the people that want to play in this kind, these kinds of sports, and for people in college and high school and all over the place that are already playing in this sport. That's an inspiring thing. Not only does it tell all of the women and you know all of the, all the people like that that play in these kinds of sports um, that they can excel to that degree mm -hmm. but it also t tells the men to try harder like what's wrong with trying harder what's wrong with enticing a, you know a group of people to be better at what they do so that's really where i see it i don't really think it's a setback at all and if anything it's it's a healthy paradigm a healthy paradigm indeed well uh brandon i'm gonna sort of ask you the same question because i know that you two sometimes have clashing opinions on here do you think that this is this is i'm not gonna say uh, the here. word setback well, uh, everywhere, life. everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. My guy, <laughs> my guy. Um, I think it's just. I don't think it's a a good or a bad thing. I think it's just you know the a medium of where they've been for the last couple of years. It's not a surprise at all, in my opinion. I think looking at this, I think it to me it was a surprise that they made it to the Gold Cup championship. I think that was you no know, a good thing, but it's not a surprise that they lost, in my opinion. I think it's just you know the same story being told over and over again, and it's not going to help or hurt any other fans or young kids looking to play soccer in the U.S. It's just like okay, we just you know our mediocre team lost again. Tyler, uh, for at least for the women uh, winning the World Cup, how what does this mean for the pay gap between the men and the women? What would, if there is change to be had, what would you like to see? I'd like to see them paid on the same level. I mean, the only difference is, you know, the sex of a person, yeah. and 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 they're playing soccer. They're playing tough. They're 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 fighting for every ball. They're going and scoring goals. I don't understand what why there's such a pay disparity. I've watched more women's soccer in the past four years than I have men's Facts. because they are better. And so you're talking about where the money is. If you're talking about money and you're, you know, you're like, how are you going to pay them? They're, obviously, they're better. They're going to get more money. So why have they not been paid more? I look at it like this. In tennis, male and female, I mean, men and women play the same uh, tournaments, play the same number of matches, et cetera. They get paid the same at the end of the day for the, for the majors. The World Cup is the same for men and women, right? 
it's the same huge stage why don't they get paid the same just like in tennis i think they should use tennis as an example for these especially for these huge stages majors world cup and the gold cup even pay them the same it's i mean people watch the women more than the men in my from my observation so uh, obviously the men <laughs> didn't win they didn't really play all that well in the second half uh, I'm not saying that anybody here is a, super, is a soccer or football aficionado, but obviously the men's team still needs some changes. Christian Pulisic is by light years away the best player on that team. He's young. He's signing a new contract very, very soon. Where do you see the future of this men's team going, Tyler? Um, you know, well, you'll, ha- well, you'll have to watch him more for first I will off. have to watch him more. Honestly, I could not tell you. It it. it the future looks bright with Pulisic. Uh, there was a few times in the game where he 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 God, he's fast. He's fast. He's, he's very fast. So fast. And so if you could get a few more players like him and a few more players like Josie Altador, and and you can find a way to piece together a team that's competitive, um, you know, the, from what I saw in the second half, they just weren't. Uh, they glit- they ran out of gas, is what I saw. Um, you know, and there's some refing too. But well, a couple body slams to the turf yeah. might do that too. Yes, that as well. Um, but I think that I think the future. Is is bright. I don't know if it's going to happen within four years. I don't know if it's going to happen with eight years, but we'll have a good team soon. Well, I like how you mentioned tennis a little bit, uh, Brandon, because final topic of the night, uh, Coco Goff, she finally got eliminated. The run is over. Uh, but it's just amazing, amazing young lady, 15 years old, beating Venus Williams, advancing, advancing to the round of, I believe, 16, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, the uh, quarterfinals. So, Brandon, uh, as, a, as a man of color, how do you see this uh this success that this young woman is having uh you know especially with where she's from and just on the grand scale like this and of course there there is you know a great amount of people like like the williams sisters in that sport specifically what just i i don't know if you were here last week and i when i asked this question but what is the impact of what she's she's been able to do not only in the younger generation for for athletes but just in the grand scheme of things overall when I look at her, I automatically think, wow, you see what happens when you have something to look up to. There's so many women, there's so many you know, young kids in general looking to do something different, looking to do something that you know not people that look like them has ever done before. But she had both Venus, Serena, and I forgot the, um, the other African-Americans, Sloane Stevens. <laughs> as people to look up to is like, wow, I want to be like them one day. And here she is on a stage beating some, probably one of her heroes, Venus Williams, to keep advancing in Wilmington. I think it's amazing. It just goes to show when you have somebody to look up to that's you know, doing the same, something that you want to do, you're more inclined to do it yourself and even be successful in it like she is. And that wraps up pretty much everything for Tomahawk Talk tonight. Thank you all so much for tuning in and being with us. For Brandon, for Tyler, for Mike, who came in for a question, for Luke Fay, who has his tonsillitis, for Emery on the Twitter, I've been your host, Nick Carlo. New release is up next. We will see you next week. You've been listening on Tomahawk Talk, or listening to Tomahawk Talk, rather, on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State.